and welcome to episode 1241 of the Sleeper in the Bust. It is Friday, December 22nd. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, three days until Christmas. Did you get your Christmas gift last night? I'm such an asshole. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I'm finally uh, ready for the holiday season to be over because there is no God. There is no goodness in this world. Santa brought me a lump of coal a few days before Christmas. Like, they, he... He took in the a form shit of, my stocking. Yeah. In the form of Yoshinobu Yamamoto going to the Dodgers. We were talking about this be right before we started. Even though it's it was kind of you know written in the stars already, once it officially happens, it really sucks. Yeah. Because, you know, you're not surprised that, oh, go the Dodgers rose up and got him. No. It was always kind of telegraphed there. But then when it finally happens, you're like, come on, son of a bitch. But again, we kind of knew it was going to happen. They go for the big mega deal with, with Yamamoto. Now they got the big pitcher that they needed. Now, the one thing that we're not going to talk about is how this is going to ruin baseball. Because guess what, folks? It's not. <clears throat> it's not going to ruin baseball. We talked about this during the Darvish combo. We have these same combos all the time about super team, going to ruin the game, blah, blah, blah. never happens. Not only that, Justin, I understand that they're going to be the odds-on favorite, but they still got to win the games. And we've seen countless times a team dominate the offseason, like really just crush it and then fall on their face, whether it's in October or even in the regular season. Look what just happened to the Mets. Like, how quickly do we forget the Mets and we're just going to run it back here with the Dodgers, the exact same shit? So I don't say this to be like, oh, the Dodgers aren't actually good. Of course they're great. But they don't have the title yet. They are still going to actually have to win it. Obviously, you're annoyed as a Giants fan, but what do you think of Yamamoto as a Dodger as it relates to fantasy, our game? I mean, I mean, I can't lie and say this isn't like one of the best possible landing spots, right? Like this mm -hmm. is like um, the problem for me is like as much as I know, like there are some people, including people we love and trust in the industry that have talked about Yamamoto uh, being, uh, you know, a future you know, front of the rotation star, maybe even one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball uh, out the gate. We don't know what Yamamoto is against Major League pitch or against Major League hitting day in True. day out. And you're already over the last month, he's been going at pick 65 in draft champions. <laughs> Where is he going now? Like he 45? Like is he yeah. now all of a sudden going to be? Uh, you know, a top 10 starting pitcher, I can't pay that price. Like, that to me, like, it's just, and I, like, it's just, the price is going to go up tremendously. It was already, I think, too expensive for me. So um, I'm excited to watch him as a baseball fan. Uh, I uh, am frustrated as a Giants fan, but as a fantasy player, like, uh, probably won't be on my team outside of dynasty leagues right like if i'm sure. in a dynasty league especially if i'm trying to compete right now he's the one one in the first year player draft in, in my opinion 
Yeah, I think that's fine with Yamamoto being a 1-1 first-year player guy because the impact could be so huge and you have multiple years. So even if it's a transition year this year where he's like, you know, low four ZRA or something, which is not out of the realm of possibilities. They got him for 12 years too. They, he doesn't have to be a mega ace this year to be worth it. Obviously he'll be judged like that, right? If he comes out six earned in his first start, oh, it's a boss, it's the worst contract ever, blah, blah, blah. But I'm with you. Uh, I respect how great he is. I'm excited to see Yamamoto pitch in the majors, but I don't think I can pay the fantasy premium right now because he is going to be very expensive. He is already. Um, I'm looking at the last uh, the the draft champions data over the last month. It's 13 drafts. He's 66. Where did you say he was going? 65. Yeah, it's 65 over the last so then 12 drafts. So. Yeah. So okay, we're looking at the same thing. Like you said, this is going up 20, 30 picks. He's gonna be inside the top 50 and that's a that's a tough sell for me for a guy that's never pitched in the majors i just want to see a transition year see him get his feet wet and figure things out and then sure if he dominates this year he'll be you know a top 30 pick next year okay that's fine though i'll pay that more when i see it as opposed to paying near that blind on yamamoto so i understand other people will be more interested if you have, you know, maybe better knowledge of Yamamoto and you follow things in the MPB, you might feel more confident. As much as I've been reading and, and watching stuff of people saying how great he is, still don't quite have the confidence to move forward at this price point. So I, I will not be having much Yamamoto, if any. Yeah, I just, I just can't rationalize paying that price over guys like Aaron Nola. His his low in the last month is pick 74, three picks ahead of teammate Bobby Miller. And you know we've been gushing about him. I'd rather just mm -hmm. take Bobby Miller. Because I just yeah. he, he's such an unknown. I don't know. It's not that I think he's bad. It's just you don't know when someone's coming clear across the world, learning a new league. I hope he dominates. I really do. I, I don't love the Dodgers or anything, but it'd be fun to watch him come over and just crush it. But I have no idea if that's going to happen. And the price I have to pay right now requires that he comes over and contributes at a pretty high level for me to get my value. So for uh, me, Yoshinobu Yamamoto almost certainly won't be on any teams. His max pick this draft season is 111. For those of you who are like, you guys are crazy for wanting to draft early. This there is the reason why, like, these, like you know, to get Absolutely. in before a market goes crazy on a player, uh, this is why people do that. Um, totally, because so. one eleven is like an insane bargain at this point, uh -huh. because Absolutely. because of where Yamamoto's going. So, um, obviously, we'll talk about him more as the offseason progresses when we get into our starting pitching preview. But let's do some first base preview today. We covered second base in two parts. This will probably be two parts as well, but we'll kind of see how it goes. Uh, also, programming note, no episode on Monday. Enjoy the Christmas holiday, everyone. We'll get back on Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. Justin and I will kind of figure out what's going on, um, maybe even later in the week, but we'll have like one episode next week. I think we can commit to at least one um, heading into the new year. But let's talk some first base. Again, I'm using Draft Champions data over the last month, this is being recorded on December 22nd. So from 11.22 to 12.22 gives you 13 drafts. And those are the numbers I will be referencing. Like second base, this, this position has kind of a king 
uh, where he's in the first round. He's the only guy up there consistently. Uh, Bryce Harper is kind of on the wheel, and we'll talk about him second. But it's also a teammate of the guy who was the king at second base, which was Mookie Betts. And the king at first, of course, is Freddie Freeman. Pick 10 on average, ranging from 8 to 14. So a pretty tight band there at the back uh, in the second half of the first round. He's a god. He's on a wonderful team. Freddie Freeman, not a whole lot to say, I imagine, because he's about as steady as it gets. But what do you think of Freeman? Do you like him as a first-round pick? Does he do enough? He brings, you know, 23 steals last year, 23 for 24. So you can't even say it's like a power average only. He's always brought a contribution of speed, 13 steals the year before. I guess for me, the question is, do you like him as a first-rounder? And do you believe that you're getting another 20-something steals? Or is it going to go back down into the teens? Where are you at on Freddie Freeman next year? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't project Freeman to have 20 plus steals again i just you know he's it's not like he's young uh he's in a 34 uh i know that the new base ring rules make it easier but just hard to bank on a guy that's not known for speed uh as a 20 plus stolen base guy so i'd probably put it in the mid to high teens okay. uh, you know you know you're gonna get 15 plus probably uh that still works but the thing that's more impressive to me is he went back to being, uh, you know, an almost 30 home run hitter, right? Mm -hmm. In his first year in LA, he had 21 home runs. And you're like, oh, that's fine, but not really what you want to pencil in at first base, right? Sure. Uh, especially when you've got guys like Pete Alonso going for, you know, almost 50, uh, you know, in the next round. Yeah, I mean, so you do have to get you probably have to supplement your power elsewhere, even at 29, which is what Freeman had last year. You know, it's still only eight more than the 2022 mark. But, you know, compare him to somebody like... Eight is big, though. In, no, no, in, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah, that, is, I that is a big jump. But you also have to understand what you're getting that somebody like Alonzo doesn't deliver. 100 points of batting average, um, that, that speed component, even if it is closer to 13, 15 steals. And so he does so much... When you draft Freeman, do you instantly go for power uh, to supplement him? Do you wait a little bit, maybe take some of those batting average sinkholes that have the huge power since he can kind of cancel them out and absorb them a little bit? How do you address the power deficiency? Because simple fact is, like you're just saying, he does come with a little bit of a power deficiency relative to the upper crust first base. I don't know. I mean, I think for me, the purpose of taking a guy like Freddie Freeman in the first round is having such a safe floor at every single category mm -hmm. um, and so you're starting off your draft extremely balanced and i like to keep that balance right uh for for as long as i can so i mean you can obviously go you know if, if a guy that i feel like uh you know in the second round uh fall or uh, fell from the first round like you know then that's what i'm grabbing it just gives me all the options in the world you know one of the things yep. i like to think about uh, in terms of a draft is, you know, draft is like a, a road with a lot of different forks, you know, and okay. taking a guy like Freddie Freeman gives me more options to go a lot of different directions in that my next few picks. Uh, and so for me, at least, I like to keep those options open as long as possible. And so staying away from those guys that are batting average sinkhole, staying away from those guys that are you know, really speed or power deficient unless someone, you know, exceptional drops. It's typically the way I go after I've drafted a guy like Freeman. 
Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And like you said, he is giving you something everywhere, including excellence in certain categories. You know, it's always a little nerve wracking to bet on a batting average dependent guy or, or, you know, somebody that is known for that because they can be subject to variants of their Babbitt. But I mean, he's as nails as it gets. Hasn't hit under 295 since 2015 when he hit 276. And that was in uh, a little bit of an injury season where he only played 118 games. And obviously that's a long time ago. So since then, he's been consistently over 300. That 295 even stands out mm -hmm. um, in the sea of 300 plus batting averages. And over the last three seasons, 300, 325, 321. So the last two years have been just amazing for Freeman. So top notch guy. Excellent Haven't first rounder. 131 runs scored last year. And that didn't lead the league after two years leading the league with lower totals, 117 right. and 120. Unreal production from every category. Like yep. just 100, 125 plus homers, you know, 15 plus stolen bases from a position you're not used to getting batting average and steals and runs from. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Uh, it's really, really, it feels like kind of a old, boring guy because he's 34. And I think that makes him a bit underrated even as a first rounder. Because yeah. he's not boring. He's amazing. And he gives you so much. So, Freddie Freeman, he's the also, king of first base. Let me, before, I, I, every time like you, you try to transition this off to someone else. No, know, no problem. Remarkably healthy. Hasn't played less than 158 games since 2017. That's nuts. And remember, you know, I mentioned 2015 was an injury year. So, two out of three years there, he had injuries. And it's like, well, what's up with this guy? And it just goes to show sometimes you never really know because maybe people were thinking, oh, he's getting into his mid-20s. Is he going to become an injury problem? And then he's been an Ironman since 2018, even playing all 60 of the 2020 games, just to throw that in. Not that that's imagine pairing, a huge feat. Imagine pairing Freddie Freeman with Marcus Simeon. I'm oh going, God. oh, look, I've started off my draft with 1,400 plate appearances. Nuts. That like just yeah, huge volume there with those two. In fact, I really I don't hate that uh, that start at all. That'd be a fantastic start. Uh, if you miss out on Freeman, you got a group of first basemen going uh, relatively early here. In the first uh, end of the first round is where they peak for a couple of these guys, and then into the second, little bit into the third with our last guy. But we got four studs here: Bryce Harper, ADP of sixteen; Matt Olson, ADP of eighteen. Pete Alonso, who you mentioned earlier, ADP of 28, and then Vlad Jr. at 35. So he's not always in the second round. Sometimes he creeps into the third. But let's talk about these second, third round guys. Let's start with Harper. Of course, he's now first base only. Um, I don't think anybody's going to have a huge problem with that, though, because what a feat his season was last year. Coming back when he did, took a little while to get the power going. But all in all, you really can't be upset with what you got there. 293, 401, 499, 21 homers and 11 steals in 126 games from Harper. Are you willing to take him at the at the turn there? Yeah, I think I am. Um, you know, there is a part of me that's a little tentative considering he hasn't played in, you know, 150 games since 2019. He's a guy sure. that even prior to, you know, needing Tommy John surgery, it just seemingly gets hurt at least once or didn't, twice a year. Didn't he get hit in the face one of these years, though? Yeah, but he, and he also had, like, um, 
a weird one where like he slipped on the bag. That's right. I think that was, um, might've been in the same year, to be honest. Yeah. Against the giants. Uh, I remember him doing that. Um, you guys grease the bag. Yeah. Yeah. We, we put do a, that. Put a greased bag out there. That's the old mm-hmm. greased bag trick that the giants been yep. running for years. Yeah. I mean, Pablo Sandoval was known for keeping Crisco in his pocket. And it was for different reasons, but then they found yeah. an alternative use for it. He was just scooping two fingers of it, you know, putting it, it on It started his off as, yeah, he just needed a place to wipe his hands afterwards because he didn't <laughs> want to dirty his pants. I mean, it's like, well, here's third base. Yeah. Um, and then, boom, people were just slipping all yeah, over the Yeah, and they're the like, place. whoa, look what we did. We got a couple extra outs from that. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there is a little bit of uh, – Maybe I'm a little gun shy taking him the back end of that sec- or first round uh, because I worry about the injuries. But I mean, first base should keep him healthier. You know, it sounds like that's where he's going to play every day. So he's, he's still so excellent when he plays Bryce Harper that, like, I, I, I'm no, not he's that 31. Concerned. Yeah, he's, he's 31. I don't think these injuries have been things that I feel like are going to be chronic. Obviously, with the elbow, you know, something could happen again. But play uh, bat, batter TJ doesn't really bother me anywhere near as much as, as pitcher TJ, of course, for obvious reasons. You know, then a fractured left thumb in 2022, a bruised left forearm in 2021. I don't think these are things that are really going to linger with Harper. And yeah. despite the missed time, he was still putting up banger seasons at least by a rate standpoint and putting up firm double doubles even in just 99 games in 2022 he went 18 11 with a 286 last year i mentioned 21 11 with a 293 so i am willing to take him i understand maybe a little trepidation and you might have a guy or two go over him including the next guy matt olson if that's your preference i'm not going to dog you out on that but for me i'm still very much on the bryce harper train and I think we've got another mega season where he plays a buck 50 plus in his back pocket, if not multiples. I think he is, his, you know, a true generational star. I think his floor is what we were drafting Freddie Freeman at the back end of the first round for last year. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think there is honestly, if you think he's healthy there and there's no reason to think he's not healthy, at least entering the season, he should probably go towards the middle of the first round to be quite honest yeah you can make a case for him like right after freeman yeah but he doesn't go there and so i think the first base eligibility only this year drags it down a little bit i agree i i i think it drags down the price i'm not sure that it should but i agree that that is causing the issue there um speaking of an outfielder then what about harper or alvarez who do you prefer because he got his own injury issues right yeah yeah crusty ass knees I do not trust. I, I mean, I love uh, Jordan Alvarez from a uh, street skills perspective. Yeah, exactly. But he's so but scary. You get zero speed from him. Uh, and I just have no idea how many games you can really honestly pencil him in for. Like, I just. He I, terrifies I, me. Yeah. Like, I, he, I cannot rationalize how people, how people rationalize, I guess. Um, taking the, him where he goes. I mean, right now I can, he's going I can get to it a seventeen. Bit. I mean, it's look all, what he did in one hundred and fourteen games. I know, but thirty-one ninety-seven. More that early. Like I know, I know, but thirty-one ninety-seven, two ninety-three. Change your disposition for a moment. Say you're in on him because both of us are uh-huh. tapping on him. But say you're more in on him, and you're projecting, you know. 
25 more games on top of that. I see how you can get there. I'm just with you where I, I, I don't, I don't want to take that risk. I'd rather take different risks than Jordan Alvarez. He scares me. He just scares me. I mean, so I, I won't in, be having him. In the defense of people uh, who are drafting him that early, you look at the guys going after him and you go, oh, well, they all have red flags. Their own particular issues. Yeah. 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 You know, Matt Olson, does the batting average, like, you know, regress? Uh, Ellie De La Cruz is even in the majors. You know, Corey Seager's got like injury history that's really, really scary. You know, Lindor got hurt a number of times. Uh, Luis uh, Robert, like, is always injured. So, like, yeah, I mean, actually, if I, if I have you more skills put him, concerns with Lou Bob than injury concerns. You put, you put, you know, I, I think it's fine to put Jordan right there, 15, yeah. 16, because everybody behind him has uh you know has some sort of concern like i'm not going to draft him there if, if if i'm at 15 or 16 um i'm going to take either you know harper or seager or riley or something like that but um i also do not want to be drafting 15 or 16 this year for me there is a clear difference between probably the top 12 and then the rest of the draft really yeah. Okay. I think after, if you look at the ADP as currently constructed, I think for me, the line is Jose Ramirez. I mean, you don't include Shohei? I don't, if you fucking say Maybe. that he's util only, I'm going to. No, no, I, 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 <laughs> good. I can go back to bed. Yeah. Clock in the fucking morning. Um, uh, no, actually. And maybe 13 is the spot. Yeah, maybe 13 is the spot. Because part of me is like, you know, like, oh, he's, you know, coming off the injury. Like, I, do we know if he's actually going to be ready to play to start the season? Uh, but I feel pretty good. That I feel pretty good. And I mean, even, even if we got 130 games out of Shohei, like. You know he could go. He could eight. go bonkers. So yeah, absolutely nuts with that. Yeah, and he, and he is going to only DH. So, you know, you like, he's going to be you know, playing every single day that he is healthy for it. So, uh, yeah, so maybe 13 is the line. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, for me, there is, there is a little bit of a, or a decent sized gap. Sure. I I, I can see that. Like there is a big bunch of steady guys there. I'm not as upset if I, I I like that wheel, you know, and it's easier to get 15 than it is to get one. It seems more people gunning for one when when they're doing their KDS. And I like the double pick. But I understand what you're saying about that upper crust. It is pretty strong without any real questions, right? Anybody can get hurt any year. We know that. But when you're looking at that top, you know, 12, 13 that you're talking about, they do feel pretty ironclad. So I do get that. Let's bring in Olsen. We talked about him. You mentioned the big question, right? You, you nailed it already. Because he hit 54-139, both MLB bests. That was always in his bat. I think I think this show's been pretty pro Matt Olsen pretty much throughout his career, knowing that 50 was in the cards. But it came with a 283, and that was the real, the real game changer that took him to another level and now has him as the 18th pick on average. You ask the question, now I'm going to have you answer it. Is that batting average real? Are you betting on that? Or or 
even a portion of it, right? Maybe not holding 283, but do you think he's a 270 something? Where are you at on the uh, on the Matt Olson follow up to the major season? I think the batting average has to regress. Like, I mean, he, his ex batting average was 263. Uh, you know, he had a, a a fairly decent bump in uh, uh, Babbitt, uh, you know, and, and maybe his Babbitt in 2022, uh, which was 274, his Babbitt in 2023 was, was 302. Maybe that was a little bit unlucky. And so we meet in the middle a little bit, put him closer to that 290 or 279 career Babbitt. And yeah, it's going to drop. I think the batting average will drop. The in zone contact skills were not good. We're talking about like 77% zone contact and, you know, for league context, 84, 85% is usually around league average. So 77% is not good. Um, I mean, he's a really, really good power hitter. And I, and he plays in a great part on a fantastic team. Um, I just don't know that he's a second round pick for me. I just, I, I, I get why people are going to do it. it I is Alonzo? Like, I think Alonzo is borderline, but okay, okay, probably not for me. Okay. Uh, I was, was going to say it'd be hard to advocate for Alonzo, but not not for him, not not for Olsen. Yeah. I think. I, I think if you like one, you like the other. If you don't like one, then you're not drafting the other necessarily. No, it is a, a cheaper pick, right? With uh, with Alonzo, yeah, you get but that skill set is discount. pretty, but pretty much the same. The, and it's still the same round, right? Like, yeah, you know, you can't be like, well, I'm just going to wait till the next round and get Alonzo because Alonzo's probably not going to be there the next round either, right? So you've got to yeah. make your decision depending on where you're at in the draft. Um, you know, depending on how I start my draft, I might consider it. Um, but I also think, you know, if we go back to the conversation about Freddie Freeman, you know, one of the things I want to do is I want to stay balanced, especially early on. And I think that guys like Alonzo, guys like Matt Olson disrupt your balance a little bit. You know, they may be hurting your batting average. Uh, they may be hurting your uh, your uh, stolen base numbers. And now you automatic, you automatically have to target something you know, your next few picks that you may not have wanted to necessarily target, uh, you know, earlier on in your draft, if you had been able to stay more balanced. So sure. I, I think that's not guys I end up with. Yeah. Um, and you know how I feel about that on the stolen base side. I think it's, I think it's much harder to take the stolen base heavy guys than it is the Homer heavy guys, because at least the Homer heavy guys, you know, they might not be giving you batting average, but they're giving you a, ribbies and, and at least one run every time they go yeah. yard right so th there's their major thing home runs the that single event contributes to four categories mm -hmm. and so i do still find it easier to take guys like that so olsen and alonzo are on the board i hear you about wanting to find more dynamic balanced guys i generally do too but both of them are definitely in play for me in the second what about vlad jr we got to talk about him man he's made he's had a really interesting trajectory here now finding himself late second, early third as pick 35, uh, ranging from as high as 20, but as low as 43 over these last 13 drafts in the, in the last month. Are you in on Vlad Jr.? What the hell happened? Actually, you know what? Before I ask you if you're in, what the hell happened last year? What, what's your, what do you make of his season You know, with the struggling home numbers? Is it the stadium? Is it just coincidental that the stadium had changes and then he sucked? What do you make of his of his 2023 for Vlad Jr.? 
I would like to point out that um, because I've had a lot of people when they ask me questions about Vlad Jr. and I've had a lot of questions about Vlad Jr. go, he sucked. Like he was still fine. Like the floor is fine. Like, you yeah. know, is it the first round numbers that you drafted him for last year that I drafted him for last year? No, it's not. But he didn't ruin your you know, I always no. say this about guys like this, right? If you're going back and you're blaming your your tough season on him being a bust first rounder, you made a lot of other mistakes because he just wasn't that far up. And this is this is actually a great example of a junior season of what we talk about with drafting floor because this doesn't kill you. It wasn't good. It did not give you the full value of what you drafted for, but that is not a killer season. So I totally you, agree with you there. He you did not still got suck. 682 plate appearances of pretty good production. You right? never had to worry about first base. You got 2694. Yeah. The 78 runs is definitely low. Even the 264 average. But again, stop saying that killed your season. That is shirking the responsibility of the other shitty picks you made because there's no way that that is why you lost. So, and I think this is the floor, right? You know, maybe we saw the the ceiling in 2021 sure. um, and now we've seen the floor. So That's what's fair. the difference? Like, you know, I mean, 2022? I, yeah, I think 2022 is probably what we're going to see, you know, low to mid 30s home runs that, team around him should just be better by a little bit of better luck. I I do think that like it's hard to know exactly what happened in terms of, you know, Vladdy's kind of uh drop off last year. Was it like, hey, the park the park uh you know hurt him? Was it uh just, you know, it just seemed like everything in Toronto kind of went awry. Um, you know, especially offensively for for a lot of the guys there. So you gotta think that Things are going to bounce back. Uh, you know, the batting average will not be an issue. I know the 264 isn't what people are looking for, but he had 291 XBA. He's got amazing uh, plate skills um, and contact skills. Like, I'm I'm not worried about Vlad. I honestly believe if I have, like, if you, if I was in a draft and the guy, you know, if I'm picking, let's say pick eight, and the guy at pick nine pulled out a gun and said, you must take a first baseman in the second round. I'm taking Vlad Jr. Like I, I this, think that's one fair. of the one of the reasons why I am not going to end up with a lot of uh, shares of Alonzo, a lot of shares of Olson, a lot of shares of Harper, and probably not a lot of shares of Freddie Freeman is because I've been getting Vlad Jr. in the third and fourth round, and I am totally stoked by that. Yeah, I, I really have no problem going back to the well here. <laughs> I, I think you know we always talk about buying the shiny new toy and everything well the shine has come off a little bit and yeah it's not some major bargain basement price but for vlad jr who was a consistent first rounder for all these years now often going in the third i think that's a that's a bargain i'm willing to take a shot on because i'm just i'm not giving up on a 25 year old vlad jr yeah. and my projection is probably going to be something like 30 95 95 with a 275 average and i'll take that and there's upside to do 2021 again so, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm Vlad Jr. I got no issues with him. I included him in the studs here instead of the next group. Um, 
because even though he is 25, he, he is kind of a veteran now. It's funny because we always think veterans old, but you know, when you got four full seasons under your belt and then a fifth, whatever season of 2020, he's a veteran. But anyway, these steady vets. He's going to hit free agency so early. It's crazy because he came up at 20. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So Vlad Jr. is going to be a young free agent if they don't ink him to a huge deal, uh, which will make him get a huge deal, assuming he rebounds off of this year. But let's talk about the steady vets. These fit that profile a bit more older guys that you kind of have an idea what you're getting. Although maybe the first one steady is the wrong word because it is Cody Bellinger pick 55. And then you jump down a bit. So maybe Bellinger could have been on his own island here as far as these little tier breakups that I've been doing. But I included him with Paul Goldschmidt at pick 80 and Christian Walker at pick 90 as three guys that you generally are like, okay, I may not be overly excited to take any of them, but all three kind of, I kind of have a decent idea of what I'm getting. And I, again, I know that feels a little weird to say with Bellinger, but I believe in the rebound. Um, even if he doesn't fully carbon copy it, I think that he's back, you know, 2020, 270, generally kind of what I'm thinking. Obviously, we need to see where he goes. But let's talk Bellinger first because he has a higher pick than these other two at pick 55. Do you believe in the 2023? And... Are you drafting him in without knowing where he's going yet? Or are you waiting until we see exactly where Bellinger lands? I haven't drafted him yet. Um, I, for some reason, I mean, no, I, I know what the reason is. I, I, there's part of me that just doesn't love having to pay the bounce back price. Uh, but if you really break it down, like I believe in what we saw, I think a lot of his struggles uh, were mechanical issues, and you have to wonder that if those mechanical issues were completely caused by being hurt, um, you know, that he kept, you know, t trying to tweak things because, you know, he couldn't rotate his shoulder properly. And clearly last year he could. Uh, we're, we're just talking about an amazing year in which, uh, you know, he had a career best uh, in zone contact numbers, you know, uh, career best uh, 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 batting average, career best or, or close to or at least the best power numbers that we've seen in a long time, career best stolen base numbers. And all the underlying stats kind of back it up. Like, yeah. I think the only reason to I think there's two reasons to be out with Cody Bellinger. One, we don't know where he's going to play. There is a, a feeling like he's probably not going back to Chicago because I think they would have gotten this done by now. if Were, uh, Weren't they in the Yamamoto situation, though? So maybe that they had that money tied up, and now that that's free? I hope. I think Chicago is the is where he should go back. If they like, sit on their really hands. really comfortable and... But yeah, there's so many teams do that. Like so many teams, like this is obviously going to spark. You know, the Yamamoto deal is going to spark, um, especially some National League teams from going. If we want to compete, we have to pay people. Like we've got. It's going to help Snell. Snell's market is non-existent. No, right it's not now. non-existent. It's the people were just waiting. I think. I well, think I, Snell signs. I, sorry, I didn't mean Christmas. market. Rumors have been non-existent. Because I think everyone was waiting for Yamamoto to drop. Now all the Yamamoto last week about losers, the Angels talking on. I think that makes were... my point more than anything. Yeah, 
Wouldn't that be the worst possible landing spot? It's like, oh no, a guy with past injury problems going to the Angels. No. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. The Tigers just signed Shelby Miller. And I know to many that might sound like I'm being sarcastic. Oh, that's a small move. Who cares? Y'all, I love Shelby Miller. I'm actually really, really excited about it. There's no fantasy relevance. Actually, actually, he could close in Detroit. He could close. Anyone can close in Detroit, I guess, my, right? That's my yeah. point. But anyway, um, I'm actually really excited about this. I, I love this move. The, the Flaherty and Mel Miller moves, man, they're really getting some guys. Obviously, past the peak of, of excitement with both of them, but I'm really hoping that these guys can get going. I like this Shelby Miller move. We don't have to break it down or anything. I'm going to have to give you my Shelly, uh, Shelby Miller signed baseball. I'm gonna have to send that out. Yeah, I would love. It. I, I'm, I'm yeah. a big fan, and obviously he's a reliever now. But he had a nice little bounce back season with the Dodgers, 42 innings, uh, 091 WHIP, which was pretty nice, 171. No hits, you know, kept the hits in order. Walk rate was a little high. Again, I think he could close. So there is a little tinge of fantasy relevance. But let's get back to the first baseman. I agree with you on Bellinger. Um, I agree with you that the Cubs would be a great return. That'd be a really nice fit to just bring him back. I hope. I hope he lands somewhere good, though. I like Bellinger. I root for him. He's a fun guy. And I I believe in what we saw enough to where I would take him. I haven't yet, but also I still love the first base outfield. Anytime you get yeah. infield outfield, you always hit on that, too. Whenever yep. you get the infield outfield combo, it's big. Let's jump down now because the other two guys are a little bit later at picks 80 and 90. And they're a little linked, obviously, because Goldschmidt's departure from Arizona opened the door for Walker, and then he became a breakout player. So they're at 80-90. Has the hate for Goldie gotten a little Mott-like from the fantasy community? Is this not a bargain here? I feel like I know he's 36, but we know fantasy ageism is huge. I feel like I'm buying hard on this Paul Goldschmidt play, placement at pick 80. Am I wrong? Uh... I mean, there's definitely some skills degradation. We 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 kind of seen. Uh, Isn't he you just know, baby Freeman though? He is pick, uh, yeah. or, uh, seventy picks later. Yeah, uh, I mean the the zone contact dropped below eighty uh, percent, mm -hmm. which isn't super encouraging. Uh, but he still smacks the ball. Like you're still well, what, like. What was it the year before? Sorry to interrupt you, but what was it the year before? Is this an isolated drop, or do you think this is the beginning of skills depreciation at in his mid thirties? <laughs> For Paul Goldschmidt, I think it's just a small, you know, last year was 80, uh, 81 or almost 82 percent. Okay, so it's just like a small drop, like Maybe we're scared. not like and Slow I, decline, yeah, not I don't think there's a fall off, and so like, and I think you know, you're still he's still going to be batting really high up in one of the best offensive lineups in baseball. I know the mm -hmm. pitching sucked and it doesn't look like they improved it that much, but. Who cares, right? For for Paul Goldschmidt, like they they it's they improved it. Yeah, it's, but it I, get, I get your point. Yeah. I get your point. Still Kyle Gibson um, and Lance Lynn, <laughs> you know. How dare you, uh, how dare you the turn guy, your back on your, two, on your yeah. two best friends? You turn your back so callously. But yeah, it's a great lineup there. We've talked about Brendan Donovan. When he's leading off. Then Goldie. Then New Barso smashed in between those two. Another guys. year of Jordan Walker development. Yep. Like I mean, like it is gonna be. I think still a fantastic offensive season. I think you're getting way too big of a discount. I mean, Goldschmidt was a guy I was willing to take in the second round last year. Now you're getting him, you know, around pick 80. Fine. Like that's, I totally, like if you prefer 
to wait a little bit on first base, but you don't want to like take a guy that could completely fall off or uh, could end up platooning. Like I think guys like Paul Goldschmidt and Christian Walker make a ton of sense. Uh, totally. Let's, let's bring in Walker too. By the neither way, neither of the guy, neither of these guys are like guys where like you get like a ooh good pick at the draft table, but yeah, it's solid production. Exactly. No one, no one's giving you oohs and ahs to take the mid thirties first baseman. But you know, we're looking at Christian Walker now, and it's back to back thirty homer plus seasons, thirty six and thirty three, um, ninety four and one hundred and three ribbies. He got in on the steals party. He went 11 for 11 out of nowhere. Uh, and actually not really out of nowhere. He had an eight out of nine season back in 2019, but then had three combined steals and three caught. So three for six from 2020 to 2022. And we talk about this often, but like it just shows you how much steals are, are a player choice more than anything, yeah. more than anything manager related. If the player's not interested, it doesn't matter. Well, he was last year and he got 11 for 11. I know it's not something you can bank on, but what what are you projecting out of Christian Walker? Seven eight type number? Or are you going to go back down to the two three type number and make him prove that he can do another uh, decent contribution there on the steals for Walker? I think I'm going to be closer to ten, um, but maybe just not quite there. So probably like nine. Um, okay. I guess I'm kind of splitting. Well, no, I think I'm. I think I'm saying like a. I think what we saw is pretty legitimate. Yeah, that's, that's putting some confidence in yeah, it. Yeah, Timbacks like to run. Um, you know, he's a guy that's shown the ability. I mean, he, you know, he's got a season with eight stolen bases, you know, in the profile prior to the rule changes. So no reason to think he can't steal eight or nine uh, bases. Uh, I, I mean, talk about consistency. We're talking about a guy in the last two seasons, right? 30-plus home runs, uh, you know, you know, 85 you know, run scored, you know, decent batting averages, but 660 plate appearances in each in of the each. last two seasons, two seasons. And I know he's a little bit older than some of the other studs, but yeah, I mean, I think he is, you know, pretty easy, consistent production that I love having, you know, and of course we like that lineup. So Christian Walker with yeah, Carol, yeah. yeah, Carol Marte and Gabriel Moreno ahead of him. I, I really like that. Now with RBI Big Bat and Suarez behind him. So, mm -hmm. And uh, Alec Thomas. I think those two yeah. guys can drive him in a bunch. And yeah. Gurriel. So, yeah, I still love that lineup. I like Christian Walker. He's kind of boring. Like you said, no oohs and ahs at the draft table. Who cares? Don't be drafting yeah. for oohs and ahs. Um, you can even get him at, after pick 100 pretty consistently, too. So Christian Walker, nice first base option if you do want to wait. Or if you even want to stack up at first and go corner for him, obviously that's even better. Next big thing we did talk Spencer Steer. Uh, actually, no, he was he doesn't have second base eligibility. We did not talk about. We him. just talked him randomly. That's right, because we talk about Cincinnati guys all the time, and we're going to talk about two of them here. He's at pick 104 with his triple eligibility. Tristan Casas pick 107. Spencer Torkelson pick 118. And Steer's teammate, teammate, Steer teammate, <laughs> Christian Encarnacion Strand at pick 121, who we do like, although the Jamer Candelario situation probably muddies that up, and we'll get to that. Let's start with Steer. First third outfielder, 104 pick, coming off a great year. You buy him back in on our boy Steer. Yeah, I've already drafted him at least once, maybe even twice. Um, hard to get him when I'm in a league with you, but uh, triple eligible, uh, five category production plays in one of the best parts. 
I think the only question is the same question we're going to have for every Cincinnati guy until they make some extra moves, which we hope they hope at some point they do, um, is, is the playing time as locked in as we think it should be, right? Yeah. We have are going to get another buck 56. Yeah. We have, uh, we have strong opinions on which guy should be getting full-time playing time, but that's not up to us. And they have mm-hmm. made things more difficult with the addition of Candelario. So, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I love still makes me so angry, dude. I know I love Spencer Steer. Um, you know, the, the, he made he made a, a real adjustment to close that hole at the top of his swing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, and it, it showed up with an 85 percent zone contact, which is right there. League average. Um, he's got a, he's got, a you know, a little bit of pop. He's got a little bit of speed. He can hit for batting average triple eligible nothing wrong with steer outside of the just fear that he might only play in 140 games and if that happens like he doesn't have prodigious power he doesn't have prodigious uh, uh speed like so if he ends up dropping the 535 plate appearances the the numbers aren't going to look as great that'd be annoying yeah because steer was a bit of an accumulator he really needs to get that playing time. I think he's a good bet to do so. Even more so than some of these other guys because of his positional flexibility, right? So it does seem like if he continues to play the way Steer did last year, which I believe in, I think he he has a strong chance to get to that buck 50 with some health, bouncing around to first, third, and each corner in the outfield. So I'm still going to bet on him. I'm very excited about Spencer Steer. Obviously, there's a huge premium this year after I took him with my last pick in the main event last year, but I'm willing to pay the premium. I believe in my breakout, and uh, I will double down with Spencer Steer. I had this guy with Spencer Steer, another guy whose price is way up now. I get it. He he, he dominated. He deserves a pick jump. But Tristan Casas had an amazing second half that completely flipped his season. The thing of it is though, if you investigate under the hood, the first half said that like this power was coming. It was hard to kind of stick with him in shower formats. I totally get it because you're looking and you're like, what's up with this guy? And you know, this batting average is killing me from April. That's the thing though. You got to look at the game logs outside of April. He was really fine, but that was weighing down his first half numbers because he hit 133 in April, Casas did. So he hit 225 in the first half. People might have been looking up, ah, 225, decent power, screw this guy. But everything under the hood said there was way more power coming. And after three homers in each of the first three months, April, May, and June, Casas went seven, five, and then three in only 13 games in September. So he didn't finish the season on the field, unfortunately, but everything else was a positive for Tristan Casas. What do you think of his second half breakout? Are you buying at pick 107? And can you drive the ship for a second here? Because I have to run away for one millisecond. Yeah, I I can definitely drive the ship on Tristan Casas for a minute. Tristan Casas is one of the most perplexing players we are going to talk about this season. Um, or this draft season. And this is why, right? You said it. First half struggled. But the underlying skill said, like, hey, he's going to be better. You know, the zone contact was actually uh, improved from 2022. Uh, he's hitting the ball with power. He was just getting really, really unlucky and kind of bad outcomes uh, on really, really good skills. 
And so you and I had a podcast in, you know, right around the all-star break. Uh, and we talked about like, okay, who are the second half breakouts? Who are the guys that, you know, we feel we should be banking on or trying to trade for in trade leagues uh, here in the second half. And Tristan Costas was one of my dudes. I was like, look at these underlying skills on this guy's first half. And like, he's going to break out in the second half. He's going to have this massive second half. You should be buying on Tristan Costas right now. So he goes and does it right. Like he has this amazing second half, you know, hitting for power. The batting average comes up. You're excited. And so I come back uh, to the part where you're going to rain on this parade. Yeah. So now everybody's all like, look, the, the skills were bad in the first half, but he was just getting unlucky. And then he broke out in the second half. He's got to carry it in to 2024, right? I don't know. I really don't because while the production improved in the second mm -hmm. half, the underlying skills reverted right back to what they were before. You know, yeah. the zone contact was bad. The swing strike rate was bad. Like, I'm, 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 I'm a little afraid that Tristan Casas is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And yeah. always will be, or not always will be, but at least for the next season will be. And so I think that's are, that's fair though. Right? These these power these power guys with the swing and miss in their game, that's just part of it. Doesn't that make him a good or, or, or better roto pick where it's like, hey, you're just looking at the end of the year. Yes. You you ride the sure, waves yeah. and just say, hey, what am I going to get at the, at the end? Don't look in every week and see like the weeks that he's hitting my body weight and then the weeks that he's hitting 700 with four homers. Like it's going to be that sort of EKG up and down with the Casas. only problem is in leagues, even roto leagues that are like 10 and 12 teams deep. Yeah. You're going to drop him. You, are, yeah, like are you going to cut him during the cold streaks yeah. and then miss the hot streaks? And then he's one of those difficult to time players. So and he's no longer in a spot in the ADP causes that makes it worth those struggles. Like when he was going pick 150 or 160 or 200, yeah, like fine. Like, yeah, I mean, I'll, 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 I'll take that gamble, but now pick 107 you're passing up on guys that we all really like that either give you really solid, good production uh, mm -hmm. or have some really tantalizing upside or both. Like the guy we're about to talk about on your tigers. Uh, like I think he has uh, shown us what a pretty, you know, what is going to be, I think a pretty good floor uh, with a lot of upside, you know? And yeah, with torque. Um, yeah, give me that up, all day. He ends up popping 31 homers, 94 ribbies, 88 runs, 233, 313, 446. I think the batting average will stand out to some people. It's like, wait, what's up with that? I think he hit into some bad luck at quite a bit last year at times. You know, obviously I watched Tigers damn near every day. 269 Babip was there for Torque. I think he was striking the ball well enough to have a much better batting average. I think he's more of a two upper 250s to lower 260s type of guy. Um, and I, I think he can get those 20-something points of batting average while keeping the power. I really think we saw the torque breakout. I think between the two, I would also take torque. First off, he is 11 picks cheaper, so there's a chance I can get him a little bit later. But also, I think his batting average is going to be better. Even though it was only 233 last year, I do think that 
Torque is a better batting average bet than Casas, even though Casas had a 30-point advantage last year. Yeah, and I mean, one of the things that I, I, I love, especially in your first 100, 100 picks, are guys that you can just set and forget. And I feel like Torque is going to be the guy that I can set and forget. And, you know, a lot of the other guys in this tier, maybe not so much. Like, you know, there's going to be a little bit of a headache either because of their skills or their playing time. So mm -hmm. uh, I think Torkelson, for me in this tier at least, is probably my favorite pick. Okay. I mean, yeah, I think um, the Cincinnati situation makes that completely fair. That could change because, in a week. They, they yeah. trade Jonathan India. They trade like a Jake Fraley or something like that. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm going, okay, well, now I'm I'm feeling pretty good about 625 plate appearances for Spencer Steer. And for the next guy, Christian Crushing Strand. Yeah, um, that that's um, who's hurt most by Candelario's signing, right? I think it's everybody's hurt. I think I think nobody is hurt as much as we think, but everybody is hurt a little bit. Okay, I think I, when I you've think got fair. this kind of depth, I think they're just going to rotate it in and out. And I think, like you know, you you've got to start saying nobody's getting to six hundred and seventy-five plate appearances. Everybody's going to have you know five seventy-five to six twenty-five. So in the last two drafts, 183 and 162 for CES, almost certainly a response to the Candelario signing. How do you like him at that price point? Which would put him in our next give me Give me all day. Give him to me so all too. day. Like I, like, I think the skills are really, really intriguing. I mean, you know, one of the problems with Christian Carcion Strand is like, what's the batting average going to look at? But he made like, league average zone contact he swings outside of the zone um a little too much probably swings just in general a little bit too much that part covers uh, everything but yeah like yeah so i mean we're not going to see another 270 batting average at least in my opinion um sure. i know schemer has him projected for, for 271 I, those I, play I, skills and the swinging i tend to agree with you on ces yeah i i think there's gonna there's at least a wide range of outcomes Mm -hmm. in, in the CAS batting average. But in Garcio Strand, uh, I, he's super, super intriguing. Like, there's just a ton of power. Hit 13 home runs in 241 plate appearances. Like, you know, obviously you can make the, you know, the lazy, you know, hey, let's just triple that. And all of a sudden, don't do you that. Know, yeah, don't do that. Uh, but if he hit 40 home runs this year, no one you'd be surprised. surprised. No one be nope. surprised. So. No, not even a little bit. I think that's very much in CES's bat. Um, and now you're not paying as much of a premium because for a while, you know, at yeah. 121, I'm not as keen on him as, as I was. But now with the Candelario move, pushes him down, maybe makes him a better bet. And then if you just still believe in CES's bat and you say, okay, yeah, Candelario's there, it's muddy, but he's just going to power his way through to the playing time. Totally understand that with CES. Yeah. I like all four of these guys for different reasons, but the prices are not cheap. So I got to be pretty committed. I think Torque is my favorite, not just because he's on my favorite team, but I agree with you. I think he's got the, the most solid bet to kind of just set it and forget it every day. I don't have to worry about things. It's really close to me between Torkelson and Spencer Steer, but give me the cheaper guy. So I'll take Torkelson. Yeah. So when one goes, that's your signal to take the other. Or, yeah, I mean, 
or take both. Like, I mean, the, the beauty of Spencer Spear is, yeah, he can play three different positions on your team. So yep. uh, I got no problem double tapping. Like, if, if you wanted to wait on first base and then just double tap right in this tier, got no problem with that. Same. Totally agree. Let's go to the next tier, which is an interesting one because it, it's titled Not Just Power, which is basically a way of underscoring that they don't usually bring the big 30-plus homer bats that we're used to seeing over at yes. first base. But yet. yet for one, but also not, not just the yet, meaning it's in there, but also they generally deliver elsewhere where they're bringing other things to the table, what be it a batting average or really good runs, ribbies. There's no speed in this component, uh, but it's generally batting average that these guys can also bring Josh Naylor, 135, Yandy Diaz, 136, Alec Bohm, 157, Vinny P returning pick 180 and Nathaniel Lowe pick 196. Let's start with Naylor up at the top there for the Guardians. PT is a bit of an issue, too, because of his health. But when he plays, he's great. And he had another great season last year. 17 homers, 97, 97 steals, I almost said. That'd be something to... Uh, I, I think it would be a bargain price if he was stealing 97. 97, 97 bases is a little bit of a higher projection. A li right? little bit high. Uh, 10 steals, though, which was you know kind of a nice little boost from uh, Josh Naylor after six the year before. But 122 and 121 games the last two years. He did get a 308 average last year because he makes a ton of contact, 14% strikeout rate. I love what Naylor brings. Is this a fair price for somebody that's only played 122 and 121 games? Uh, I think it is. Um, you know, like there is platoon risk with Naylor. There is uh, injury risk. I mean, obviously he's had, you know, he's had, uh, you know, a couple catastrophic injuries um mm -hmm. and then he's always feels like a guy who's kind of a little bit banged up um plus he's a psycho which i was I just about to say he plays crazy <laughs> yeah it's a good thing or a bad thing i don't know um i, I like nailer i like nailer a, a fair amount um i do worry about the volume and you know you know we've talked about so many guys that are like hey you can plug them in for 650 700 plate appearances and now we're talking about a guy that has never crossed the 500 plate appearance, you know, threshold. He's come yep. close the last two seasons, you know, pretty much right there, Very 498, close, yes. 495. But that is a lot of plate appearances to give up. Like, He'll be know, 27, which is, of course, magic. Yep. But um, putting putting that apart, like, I, I bring that up because he is, you know, not super old. So we can still see somebody who can get into that fully healthy season and, and even spring 600 plate appearances. We're not projecting that, but that upside would be pretty rich for Josh Naylor. I think he's a fine pick at 135. I don't really have any issues with it. If I don't get, sorry, if I don't get that last year that we just talked about, I'm certainly open to taking Josh Naylor. I've been a fan of his for the last couple of years, and uh, I feel pretty good about just kind of betting on 125 games and taking anything else as a bonus with Josh. Well, and here's the thing, like one of the big uh, kind of you know, things that detracted from Josh Naylor is his inability to hit left-handed pitching. He hit lefties last year. He hit 299 against left-handed pitching. And some people are like, well, yeah, but probably got lucky. 308 Babbitt against left-handed pitching. Last not crazy like, at all. Like it's, it's much lower than his Babbitt against writers, uh, right-handers last year. So um, like, I, I think there is, especially if you look at the way the guardians are currently constructed, that he's a full-time player. If he's a full-time player, 
Then we're talking about a guy who's mid twenties home runs, maybe like 12, 13, uh, stolen bases. Uh, you know, he had a 300 batting average. Doesn't that sound like Freddie Freeman last year going into last year? Like I, there is a world in which, you know, he gives you close to first round production. If he can stay healthy, if he isn't, you know, there's a lot of ifs in it, obviously, but that there's not a lot of guys down here where we're talking about, Hey, this guy could give you first round production from first base after pick one, you know, 25. Yeah. Because Josh Naylor brings the batting average has power and has contributed some speed. He really is that playing time potential breakout there that, yeah, if you can get to 600, you could really see the magical season without even any skills improvement. If it's not, just these same even, skills for 600 plate appearances. Not to mention, like, 97 RBIs last year in 121 games. So good. That's yeah. so good. Yeah, so we'll see where Josh Naylor's at. Um, hopefully he can stay healthy this year. I think he'd be a nice pick. What about Yandy Diaz? Feels like we might have seen the power breakout because he did hit, I think, 22. Yeah, 22. Easily a career high. Seemed to fall back into his patterns after a fast start with the power, but also got an AL batting average title at, at 330. So with the 22 bombs, and yeah, there were 12 in 12 through May and then 10 in the final four months, including a zero in June for Yandi. But the batting average was still there, 95 runs, 78 ribbies. Does Yandi do enough to be worth pick 136 for you? Such a weird dude. Like this guy, like just, you know, you, you'd think like, hey, you know what? We saw a little bit of power breakout in the first half, and then it kind of tailed off in the second half. Um, and you'd go, well, what, you know, what's been the issue with Yandy Diaz? It's been launch angle, right? Dude just can't lift the ball. Mm-hmm. So let's go check his launch angles from the first half and the second half and kind of compare like, hey, is there something bankable here? Is there, there a skills growth or was there a skills degradation in the second half? His launch angle in the first half was 5.3 degrees. His launch angle in the second half was 6.3 degrees. Wait, he so still second half, uh, yeah. second half was better. He had worse power production because it's both halves were still extremely low. What about April, May specifically? Was he up during those months when he was hitting for homers? uh, I will let you know here in about because yeah, it was up. It was nine nine degrees, which is still low. Like you you want like fifteen to twenty, like um, and now so now like we we look into. 2024 and i go i i'm not banking on him for power yes he hits the crap out of the ball and he makes contact with that so there's good batting average but dude is always dealing with an injury always dealing with an injury like like every, like i don't know that i got any more notifications than yandy diaz <laughs> has left the game like I think I got about 35 of those last year. Like um, Now, do you think that has... I'm not... Anyone who's seen me will not be surprised by this next comment. I'm not Mr. Muscle Guy. It you is. Know? It has everything to do with it. I mean... Okay. Uh, and we and I've talked about this on the show before. Well, let's... Man. Hang on. Let me explain what it is. He is... Yeah. 
um, obscenely muscular, uh, yeah. Yanni Diaz is. And that's why I was asking Justin if that's part of it, because he is yoked out. He looks amazing. And that's why everyone says if he gets launch angle, dude's going to hit 90 homers, which obviously is hyper hyperbolic. But um, yeah, I wondered if, if all that muscle was part of the problem here. So one of the issues with Aaron Judge, right, was like he couldn't end. I mean, John Carlos Stanton still hadn't figured it out, you know, has been like these guys who are super muscular, they tend to not have really good flexibility, right? Mm -hmm. They're they're not nimble. They're not flexible. Um, and that is a product of, you know, of working out with weights way too much and not doing proper flexibility training on top of it. If you've ever walked around a gym or seen a bodybuilder and it looks like they can't, you know, uh, or they're in there kind of, yeah, they're kind of curled up, kind of flexing all the time, right? Yeah. Sometimes that is actually just the way their body now operates. Yeah, their arms like sit like mm -hmm. this. In because they've done shape. so much of this heavy lifting without the flexibility work that their tendons actually shorten. This leads to injuries. It leads to a ton of injuries. It's the reason why the Yankees told both Stan and... Uh, Aaron Judge, they wanted them to do yoga. They wanted to do, do calisthenics that would, you know, help their body become more limber, become yep. more flexible. And it seemingly has worked really well for uh, for uh, Aaron Judge, uh, or yeah, for Aaron Judge. Maybe Stan, not so well for Stanton, but who knows how much work they're actually doing it. I know the White Sox um, uh, told Andrew Vaughn to do it. Uh, to kind of help with his back issue uh, last year. So this and only this is why I don't lift weights. That's the only. Yes, absolutely. I don't want to become inflexible and mm -hmm. get injured. Um, but yeah, if you have a lot of muscle on your body, you are more than likely going to kind of be inflexible. And when you're inflexible, it's much more likely that you're going to develop reoccurring soft tissue injuries hamstring you're holes, ripping yeah. huge swings the way yep. yandy does oblique injuries you know hand uh, hamstring injuries quad injuries like and so i don't think this is going away unless we see him come in and you know he says oh you know what instead of you know lifting weights i spent all off season doing calisthenics i spent all off season stretching as you know i was doing yoga um i don't think things are changing like you know uh for for yandy diaz i think so you he project going, him for 135 games then the yeah way he's basically been living mm -hmm. at 134 137 yep. 137 so then the next question is how much of the 22 homers do you take seriously or do you put them right back down to say 15 14 15 okay yeah. okay so then are you drafting him is it fair no. to get a 290 average okay then uh, i mean yeah i, I, I agree I'm, by the way with all that i'm i don't have a problem with people drafting him but he, you know, and this kind of also kind of eliminates a little bit of the, the Josh Naylor situation too. Um, why it's so important for him to actually play against lefties uh, is when you get a guy with premium batting average, it only really is premium batting average if he's playing all the time, True. right? Like you need you need those plate appearances to make that batting average actually mean something. And in fairness, Yandy did have six hundred last year. Yeah. Despite one hundred and thirty-seven games, I just don't know that I bank on that. This exactly, and I I agree there. Um, so I am nervous. I'm not really drafting him. I agree with you, and I know sometimes this might feel like fence sitting when we say that we're not drafting a guy, but we understand why other people do. It's just because I'm not quite there. I'm not like, oh, he should be pick one ninety 
but I'm probably more like he should be pick 150, 160, and he's going 136. So it's like I respect somebody that takes him there. They believe in him a bit more. That's okay. But it's it's, it's a just, roster construction issue. If, exactly. You know, and we if don't you're want to play a guy that game. gets zero stolen bases, you can only really bank on for you know 15 home runs. 75 uh, ribs too. Like he doesn't give you yeah. tons of ribs because he usually bats and high if, in the order. Yandy does. And if and if that if those plate appearances come down as I would suspect they do, like what are you you looking at 60 ribs now? Yeah, like, that'd be tough. I mean, know, he leads like, off a lot, so he's a unique leadoff hitter. Um, and that's how he's able to get the volume despite the lower which is fine play. but you can get leadoff hitters you know i i got brandon nimmo like a pick 180 in the main event last year like and you he can could get do those a lot guys later Yandy does yeah i i actually believe that that's a good call out there and also has some injury concerns of his own so why not just take the later version that's a good call yeah so naylor and diaz they have their their risks let's jump down about 20 picks down to alec bohm we've uh we've been talking about bohm now for a while Wait, 2020 is first year or 2019? 2020. So, yeah. He uh, first appeared in the uh, in the weird COVID season, then really didn't follow it up in 2027 because it was a small sample run of excellence in the, in the 44 games. And then everyone was drafting him, excited about him in 2021. Kind of fell on his face with a 247 average and seven homers. And then has been pretty decent the next two years. 13 and 20 homers. 284 and 270 or 280 and 274 batting averages, but 97 ribbies was sneaky nice last year. That was a really big deal for Alec Bohm uh, with the 20 homers. Does he continue to kind of build because we have a little bit of a stair step building here, or was last year the peak for Alec Bohm? What do you think of him at pick 157? Um, I think he he may build a little bit like. It's so hard because Power. he's got a lot of the same issues as Yandy Diaz, but I can also see a world in which, like you know, like yes, like the the launch angle was only eleven degrees last year, and it was ten year before, but before that it was like five. It was Yandy Diaz, that's mm -hmm. right. So we've seen some growth, right? It's a really good park. Um, it's a pretty good team. He's sitting in the middle of the lineup. We know he can make good contact in the zone um you know 91 percent zone contact is like elite for a first baseman but pretty darn good for just any hitter in general um and like he doesn't smack the ball with a ton of authority but he, he hits the ball hard enough like i think there is a world where there's another level but i i wouldn't bank on it i would say like last year is probably what I would say is is the seventy five percent, seventy fifth percentile kind of ceiling. Okay. You know, I do think there is a world in which there is another level. I just think the the chance that he gets to that is pretty pretty small, considering like how much he hits the ball on the ground. Um, oh, he did he did change that this year. He dropped it to forty two percent ground ball rate after being around fifty. Yeah, he's slowly. In fact, there's a decline every year on ground ball rate for Alec Bohm. I want to take a look at this just the second half. 42% mark. So I do wonder if maybe, you know, if he pushes to 25-100, gets the batting average back up to 280, you know, gets more runs. Also, could he move up the lineup would be another thing with Bohm. I wonder if you think he could because he batted, I mean, he batted all over. 
but it was primarily six, seven. There was 20 games at four, 16 games at five, 20 games at two, but it was 51 at seven and 29 at six. So um, maybe he could move up fifth, but if I want to keep the righty lefty, righty lefty, I think Stott's still fifth. I think he's probably six in the lineup. Like he's yeah. not supplanting Harper or Turner or Schwarber or Castellano. So like getting in the top four is not happening. And if they want to just keep the kind of the balance of righty lefty, I think Stott stays five and and uh, and Baum is six. I think that's fair. Um, so that would be tough for him to improve his volume a ton there by, by staying you, six. What Alec Baum is that nobody else in this tier is, right? And there are guys I like more in this tier than Alec Baum is a really, really safe floor. Like, I think you know you're going to get a, a pretty decent batting average, um, some good counting stats, and, you know, 15 to 20 home runs. Yeah. I think that's totally fair. I agree that the floor is solid. It's boring, but he's going to get you there with maybe a tinge of upside. And he's on a good team too. So the runs and ribbies could, because yeah. if he is six consistently, like I said, he had 59 games at seven. So he could improve the volume. I know I just said he won't improve the volume that much, but even moving six to seven. Um, he's, he's 600 bankable plate appearances, which is better than pretty much everybody else in this tier. Yeah, let's talk about a guy who had like six plate appearances last year, Vinny P. Oh, but Pasquale. I'm excited. Vinny Pasquantino had everyone geek in last year, and I was among them. Um, he actually wasn't really doing his thing yet in 61 games, but I we can't say anything about that because it's just too small of a sample to be like, well, he would have been a bust if he had stayed healthy. We have no idea. He could have easily turned it around, but it had not been going like quite as well as the uh, the hype. 61 games with nine homers, 247, 324, 437 slash line. Not super impressive. But then he gets hurt. He's out for the rest of the year, so he misses 101 games. He's coming back. You said your excitement's coming back with him. This was on the heels of a 295, 383, 450 with 10 homers in 72 games the year before that really got people excited. So you think we're getting more 2022 than 2023 Pasquantino in the return. So you like him at pick 180? Yeah. Um, I think I've already drafted him twice. Uh, so, uh, and I will continue, especially as the price, I think the price will go up, um, especially as more people start seeing videos of him hitting. Uh, sure. I saw, I saw one video of him in the batting cages and just smacking the pits out of the ball. Um, and I was all like, oh, okay. So he's healthy. He's ready to go. Um, uh, in a recent interview, he said like, yeah, I'm going to be fully healthy you know, and ready to go comes from training. So I think the price is going to jump. I think you're, if you want a cheap Vinny P now's the time. Cause I think a month or two from now, you're going to be paying a hundred pick 120 uh, instead yeah. of a pick 180. Uh, but like, I think, yeah, I think there is a ton to love in this profile. Like we know he can hit for uh, batting average. Uh, I think we all think there is pretty darn good power in there. Uh, that Royals team sneaky getting better um, around him. So uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm excited for Vinny P. I think this is uh, going to be a really really good bounce back here for him. Player or or, or uh, what is it, the comeback player of the year in 2024? Yep. I think there's a great chance of that for Vinny P. And I also agree with the notion of um, price is only going to go up. 
and yeah. particularly in spring, because then once people really see him playing, putting games together, that price is just going to go up and up. So he could be a I really big spring I will still be okay riser. with that price. And yeah. I, I want to say that I'm going to put that on the record right now. If he gets up, you know, if he if he's looking healthy in spring training and he jumps up 60 picks, I'm still okay with that price. Sweet. I think I'm with you. I, I really yeah. do. I think uh, like, I think Vinny him P... and Torkelson are a really good debate if Vinny P's healthy. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And if we see him cooking in spring, that is the price that you're probably going to have to pay. So get used to it if he is your guy. Last one here for today, Nathaniel Lowe, pick 196. Couldn't quite back up the breakout in 2022, um, which, you know, it happens. He was one of those guys that I, I, I did love in 2022. Uh, mm -hmm. But I was still willing to pay the premium. I didn't get him nearly as much, obviously, because his price was much higher. And thankfully, of course, since he did come down. But it's not like it was a, a flop season. Oh, my God, this guy sucks. He's still got 161 games, so 724 plate appearances, 17 bombs, 82 ribbies, 89 runs, and a 262 average. So despite a 40-point batting average drop and a 10-homer drop, both of which are pretty significant, you still got a, a solid year out of low. Who is he? Is he 2022 or is he 2021 and 23? Because those seasons look pretty similar. Uh, I think he's 21, uh, 2021, 2023 um, with batting average upside, uh, which is probably not what people want to hear. Um, I think people want to hear, oh, no, he's, he's that with power upside. Uh, mm -hmm. Did he ball to the ground too much? He's got a Yandy Diaz problem. And I think part of this is it's not like a muscular thing it's more of a there was a real hole in his, the top of his swing early on in his career and i think the way that he has gone about fixing it is by saying listen i'm not going to try to hit the ball over the fence i'm going to i'm going to you know be a gap hitter uh, i'm going to put the ball in play and then, you know, then I won't have the hole in my swing. I'm going to sacrifice power for that. And that's not what you really want from a first baseman, right? Like you want, you're okay with, you know, Christian Carcino and Strand striking out 30% of the time because it's, there's a the potential it comes with 40 bombs. Yeah. Like a 280 batting average is good, but not with 17 home runs. Um, and so I'm, Lowe has been a guy that I've loved the last few years that I've kind of fallen out of love with because while I can appreciate from a real baseball perspective, the new approach from a fantasy side, like there's just not as much juice as I really had hoped for it. So uh, yeah. I'm, you know, depending on like if he falls in the draft, if, you know, I'm sitting there around 250 and I need a corner and, uh, and Lowe's still on the board, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll take the like game. 196 there. isn't crazy, but no, I'm, it's I'm fine, with you. Like, I'm just not racing to get him anymore the way I was. And we do talk about this concept with, with regularity about how like price is obviously the major determining factor of when you, whether or not you want a guy. And this, this is a great example of that because I do love Nathaniel Lowe. He's somebody I really root for as a player. And like I said, I was in on the breakout a couple years ago. So he's like one of my dudes you know when you hit on somebody you're like yes that's my guy but now with where he's at i'm just like eh sometimes i'll take him but i really don't chase him anymore and i, I, I probably won't have many if any shares this year i hate to say it but like why would you draft nathaniel low when you can get 
Josh Bell at 274, Jose Abreu 294, Justin Damn. Turner 254, yeah. even Yanir Candelaria. I was just literally took like, that out of my mouth. Yep. Like that whole tier of guys that we're going to talk about next episode, like, like I think I would rather just save the you know fifty to a hundred picks of ADP and, and take those guys. Yeah, and that's sad because I, I I was a big you know like I I was in on the the Nathaniel Lowe breakout. Um, and you feel you like know. you got to stay committed to a guy, but you don't. You no. really really don't. And it's probably the high water mark in twenty twenty two. We nailed it. Let's cut our losses out. Not not our losses. Let's take our dub and cash out. Yeah, instead exactly. of just buying Let's him. Go- Let's go find a different, you know, guy Bingo. that can profit for us. Um, Hell, and- e- even, and we'll, and we'll get to him next episode, but even somebody on the bounce back, like Reese Hoskins, yeah. 10, 12 picks later, like a round later, I think I would rather just take him because I think he can go 40 bombs without even blinking. Yeah. So, yeah. Again, to repeat, love Nathaniel Lowe, root for him, but just not a guy that I'm really dying to get in fantasy anymore because I think we saw the high watermark. If the power does show itself to be more 2022 then i will amend but as it stands right now i think he's a good not not great player on a great team i I do want to mention that if you're in points leagues if you're especially if you're on base percentage leagues like Mm. dude gets on that volume and and the volume too 157 157 161 the last three years games played if he had a 375 on base percentage next year like i'm not going to be surprised and like that that helps, right? Yeah, but Nathaniel again, gets on base. You also have guys like Reese Hoskins who hit for power that also get on base. So, mm-hmm. like, like you know, are you willing to make the trade off? How much does Texas Texas's success drive this low price? Like, if they hadn't been the World Series champs, would he be cheaper? Do you think? No, probably not, because okay. he is a, he is a season removed from. 27 home runs and it's not like yes like are you know we're definitely not project uh, projecting the rangers to win the world series again with the dodgers in in major league baseball <laughs> but like they're still going to be really good like and he's exactly. still going to hit you know in a good spot in the lineup and drive in a bunch of runs score a bunch of runs like it's just you better if you're getting to this point in the draft wait you know you're getting around pick 200 like you better be like really flush with power because power is not as easy to get later on to take a guy like Nathaniel Lowe. Yeah, I think that all makes a, a ton of sense there with Nathaniel Lowe. And so there they are, the first, what is that, 5, 10, 15, 17 first baseman. Um, so a lot of, lot of interesting pockets of value. I think uh, both of us are probably going to come out of these top 17 with at least one guy in, in a lot of our drafts, whether it's at the high end there or one of the middle tier guys, uh, if not a couple of those middle tier guys. And then there's still tons that we're going to talk about on the next episode that I'm really excited to get your thoughts on some of these upside yeah. gambles, some of these crusty guys, like you mentioned Josh Bell, who I like, but like, what are you doing with a Brayu and Rizzo coming off of their weird years? Obviously Rizzo had the head injury that we didn't even really know about until he was two months into sinking his numbers. If his, if he's good to go, then he, he was having a great season. That's the really tough part. And we'll dive Yankee deeper into Stadium. that. Yeah. And then Abreu obviously had a dog shit regular season, but then started popping off in the playoffs. Is he going to come back? So we'll get into all of those guys sometime next week. I don't know the exact day that we're going to record, but look for one episode 
during the Christmas week. Justin, I hope you have a lovely holiday with the family. Send all my love to your incredible family and have a great one. I know we'll be texting on, uh, you know, throughout the holidays, but have a good one and I'll talk to you next week. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you.